listening to the Necropolis podcast, which is associated with hessianfirm.com and hatemeditations.com. Welcome to Necropolis. This is Jason, also known as Lone Goat from GoCraft. We do have the part three of Paul Ledney today. I know you guys have enjoyed the, uh, the first two parts on uh, Paul Ledney, a very insightful guy, a very legendary figure in American black metal. And uh, very fortunate that he invited himself back for the uh, third time or second time um, for the third episode. So uh, being that, you know, Paul Ledney has been coming back to this program so much, um, wouldn't it be funny if he took it over one day? Can you imagine him interviewing other bands? Like, uh, why doesn't your music sound like Pro Fanatica or Necrovore? Um, something along the lines of that. I think that would be a hoot. But anyway, we do have uh, Shelly, uh, who just recovered from the coronavirus. Shelly from HateMeditations.com and Metal Lesion Magazine. Thank you, Shelly, for coming back. Good evening. Thank you. Good to be back and good to be feeling a bit better. Yes, sir. And we do have the legend Paul Ledney on today from Pro Fanatica and Have a Hedge. Thank you for returning and inviting yourself back, sir. I did invite myself back. Thanks for having me. Awesome. 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 So the reason why you even invited yourself back is because we uh, we exchanged some emails because I, I noticed like there's bands dropping from Steelfest in Finland. And uh, I'm, I'm planning a Euro trip um, in May. I'm going to England to hang out with Shelly and uh, Finland. I was going to see you perform there. Um, so I was just, you know, we, we sparked a conversation around that and uh, you, you invite yourself back. So I think this is a great uh, uh, first topic today is just Steel Fest. Why did you back out? So basically, we we love Finland. We've been there a couple of times. Our actually first European show was in Finland with Horna, this band Morgan and uh, Witchcraft, the Beharit style sounding band. And uh, the show was like absolutely killer. So we made a lot of friends there. We're tight with everybody. We still see them from time to time at other festivals and gigs. And basically... What happened was that the lineup, if you remember back when we were at it, was absolutely amazing. And uh, it was only after the fact that we said yes, that all these other sketchy bands were added. So the main reason is I don't support NS black metal. I don't like that shit. I don't like the way it sounds. There's no bass. The bands sound the same. There's no evil riffing to speak of. It's just very like uh trebly too trebly for me um and uh that's it i just didn't want to go i i don't think at this point with all those extra bands added that it would have been our crowd to play in front of and we wouldn't have flourished there i'm unsure about that you know finnish people they're they tend to be diehards that you know you definitely play in a vein of you know solid metal that they uh, it really enjoy and resonates with them. So I think you would have had a, a good crowd regardless of the sketchy bands. I know, uh, I, I don't know the history of all the bands that are on the, uh, the festival, um, but I know like Satanic Warmaster, for instance, which is probably that band that you're referring to being too trebly and kind of like a Dark Throne clone, um, that uh, they, they have, you know, done, you know, edgy things in the past. And, uh, um, so 
that that wasn't one of the bands I wanted to see. I wanted to see Profanatica. I wanted to see Impaled Nazarene. I wanted to see Samael. I wanted. I do like Graveland. That's the only sketchy band on the bill that I do like. You know, I say sketchy very lightly because he's backtracked and apologized for the things he said in the past. So, um, that's just my my thoughts on that. Like, I'm still going to go that Thursday, but I I bought a three day pass. You know, to check, you know definitely check you guys out in Profanica because I've never seen you guys play live, but uh, um, now I'm just going to go that Thursday with, uh, you know, some of the quote unquote sketchy bands. But the thing about uh, Finnish people that we were talking about, I was talking about with Shelly earlier, is like, they're very unapologetic. Like they may not be into um, the politics of some of these bands, but they're, they're metal diehards. Like I saw one study that said like, uh, something like one or 2% of the Finnish population are in metal bands. So they're, they're diehards, you know, beyond the, you know, the extremities of the political side that happens to be in metal. There's, you know, the, the far right and the far left. So, uh, um, and yeah, this festival tend to uh, book, you know, some of the bands that aren't really uh, allowed in the, uh, the Western uh, part of the world, like in America and Europe, but uh um Finns are unapologetic so i don't think you know even the organizer i talked to him briefly because i was wondering if impilled and nazarene dropped and i was looking at the flyers i'm not seeing all the bands actually wanted to see um on the flyers anymore and uh and uh i he didn't come across as a nazi or anything like that or skinhead he just no they're they're totally not but when i say it's not our scene there's like they're not like ragers. Like we are where we do the best is like in LA with the satanic Hispanics and the people that kind of grew up listening to the same shit we did with like kind of a heavy punk influence too. like in America, you're going to get like this base, the base of people grew up with like repulsion motorhead and like just kind of basic bands before they moved into black metal. That makes sense. I don't know. Uh, we played there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not saying like I also when the lineup was good, I I was going back and forth with the promoter and they kind of the guy bent over backwards for me. He gave us a 1030 on Saturday night indoor slot that I really pushed for. So I, I feel bad backing out, but I wasn't going to like make that trip Uh to stand like and just like give it our all for people that are just going to stand there with their arms folded because i know what kind of crowd that those those other bands bring if that makes sense mm. that they're they're not our crowd and that they don't have this kind of certain energy like fuck yeah let's do this shit have, you know what i mean have you experienced that crowd in europe at all yeah for sure Oh, interesting. Like, like every night on the Watane tour. Oh, crazy. I had no idea. Um, so I, I understand. Um, you know, I'm really sad. I'm not going to be able to see you perform in Finland. But uh, we're talking, you know, just, you know, offline about uh, certain things. And uh, I mentioned that I was going to be hanging out with Beharit while I'm in Finland. That's why, you know, certainly why I'm not going to be at other days at the festival, because I like to hear it way more than the festival itself, really. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been in contact with Marco for some years now, and he wanted to collaborate with me. Um, so uh, I, I'm really going to have a fucking blast. I'm really looking forward to it, even though the, the festival kind of is 
way different than when I bought the tickets to it, but uh, I'll still go that Thursday just out of protest. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I bought the tickets, I'm going to Finland because of this, so therefore I'll go one day. And, uh, you know, if people get upset at me for that, so be it. You know, I'm, I'm not a Nazi or anything. Um, I, I don't really think a lot of those bands are Nazis. I, I, I don't know them personally, but uh, I kind of get the vibe that, you know, like extreme metals, you know, there's extreme ideologies in it. And some of it's just to shock people, especially in the eighties and in like early nineties sure. that I, I have seen compromising pictures of quite a few individuals, but I know it wasn't their, their pure beliefs in certain things. It was them just being extreme. And I've even seen like pictures of James Hetfield doing the Nazi salute. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, things like that. But uh, I get it. It doesn't mean he's like that. So let's, let's say I should have just said this, like, uh, worded it this way the more and more of those band type of bands that get added that started getting added it, it became less and less our crowd if that makes sense you know what i mean like i'm not saying we only play for a certain type of people we get like a huge mix of people uh but uh I, I know that crowd. I've played in, in Europe in front of that crowd. Yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't know about, you know, the experience of what, what Tain and all that in Europe. So yeah, those, a lot of those there's, I'm not talking bad about any, let's put it this way. We had really good night in Barcelona and we had a really good night in Poland where most uh, a good more than half of the people in Poland were there to see us on that run. So it was like, which is weird. I'll, I'll actually go on record as saying like Austria is very weak for us. I told them you guys are just fucking standing there. You know, I, I had to resort to calling them statues a couple of times. So I read another interview that you had done today. I'd actually did some research about Paul Ledney. <laughs> so we are prepared today, but uh, you played the Pacific Northwest and you kind of, they didn't connect with you either. Correct. They did not. So the people there were, were all great, cool people, but it's like, they, they didn't know what to do. Like at a metal show. And, and it's weird. And I said, like, uh, when we played in Europe, I was like, Austria is not that far away that some of those, like, haven't they seen other people like go crazy at shows or, or really kind of show like there's like no emotion. And they're like, we're taking it all in. And I'm like, well, take it in somewhere else. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, there's no feel or like energy give back but they they claim that they loved it and they were blown away and i'm like thanks but do you think it might just because of their dispositions as yeah that's totally what it is just like dry people like you know german humor is very dry yeah (laughs) very serious um so uh it, it could just be their dispositions it may not be like your music not resonating with them it could just be like how they are um yeah uh shelly, it is shelly you're gonna say something can you go ahead well yeah i was gonna say like i, I guess some of the the best 
sort of metal shows I've been to have always been at larger festivals or all day as where you maybe have a mix of death metal and black metal bands on. So the crowd will be slightly mixed as well. And then the people that do just want to stand and watch the band, you kind of don't notice them because they're in a minority. And then you get a really good mix of like different groups, of people, different ages, or like enjoying the music for what it is. And particularly for something like Profanatica, that's not really like stand and watch and take in the experience kind of music because it's very primal. It hits you in the in the chest. It makes you want to to move and react to it. Whereas, you know, that's very that's very different to some of the Northern European black metal where the idea is to be like atmospheric or whatever. And maybe fans do want to just stand there and watch it. That's that's true. Another thing is that uh, when we played Chaos Descends Festival in Germany, they had like a huge variety of bands. And I actually, those festivals are the best for us to play. It makes us stand out as that much more powerful, I feel. Like, because you'll have like a folk type of band play or just some weird atmospheric rock and roll band. And then we came on. It just kind of sounded that much more heavy. I felt that is, we seem to do better at festivals like that. Like uh, in in Vegas, I think we did really good because there was like a mix of different styles of metal and hard rock. So mm. that that's definitely... There was a there was this like uh, guy in in Canada that had this huge fest with Profanatica, Blasphemy, Revenge, and almost none of the bands ended up playing. I think Blasphemy played, but I don't know if you remember that it was in Edmonton. But he had all of the war metal bands stack up together, and everybody was super psyched to go. But I was like, I don't know how good it's going to be if everybody's kind of playing that same style if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been to festivals where, say, I went to a, a doom metal festival a few years ago, and by the end, it's like, oh, my God, I, I'm dying to hear something up-tempo because I've just heard t- too much, too many slow-burning yeah. bands that it just becomes monotonous after a while. Even if one of the bands are really good, if you've seen five already that day, you start flagging. Yeah, that's true. So I guess, like, to answer the Steel Fest thing... I know enough and, and, and it, it's the main reason is not because I felt there were like Nazis there, but since those, that type of crowd likes that shit, it's the opposite crowd we're looking to play in front of. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and, and, I- and the other thing is like the Pacific Northwest. When we were there, uh, the the people taking care of us and set it up were great. I felt though that uh, we played one night with Fornicator, and then they got canceled the second night in Seattle, which is about two and a half hours away or two hours, whatever it was. And uh, I don't know, they didn't really do anything wrong. We we still kind of support them. The people were really. Uh, sensitive in that area, if that makes sense. So yeah, it has. They're way I, I'm not shocked at all that uh, that Antifa comes from that area. 
Yeah, yeah, they're way progressive. And, you know, you saw the news a couple of years ago. I think it was in Seattle where they, they built their own little town, you know, autonomous part of the town. They took it over. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, they're very progressive over there. So uh, I imagine. How did that town work out? Weren't they trying to plant shit, like, on top of a tarp? I don't know. Like, like I think I like they put soil shot. on a tarp thinking stuff, stuff was going to grow. Yeah, someone got shot and died. I think that's what the, the downfall of that was, where you have like a Wild West in the middle of Seattle, you know, your own autonomous region, you know, bad stuff's going to happen. <laughs> like, I, I know that. <laughs> so we we haven't been back there. I don't want to go back. Um, the other thing is like that I don't like and respect about the NS is everybody's so secretive. They have their band is clearly slanting that way, but they just won't come out and say it. And that, that like, yeah, that could be. I kind of get some, you know, interesting vibes from different bands. But like I said, Graveland, like that guy has apologized. He's backtracked on prior things he said like 20 years ago, but still he's being canceled and all that. But I do, uh, I know you're not into the folk type of melodies and all that, but, uh, I do like the Graveland, especially the the early Graveland and Memory and Destiny. Um, well, I was going to say the ones that are actually out and just declare that they're Nazis that immediately limits their audience to a very select group of people. It, so it does, can, yeah, it does. But like, I would have more respect if they did that. Oh yeah, true. Because well, they use a lot of like coded language and symbols and whatnot. Like, they, I get I get sent a lot of promos, and I can instantly tell if one of them's a bit sketchy because you just. You just see some of the imagery they use and you think, oh, I think you're probably a bit of a Nazi, mate, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not trying to stop it or dye my hair blue or cancel it. Like they, they could have their own fest and that's fine. I, I just we chose like not to be a part of that. Like we I think we have like more important topics of uh, trying to like, the, you know, we're more like anti-organized religion. Oh, certainly. And uh, just out of curiosity, I had Googled Pro Fanatica NSBM, and there were some comments of sketchy people on the internet uh, talking about your song and EP Broken Jew. But I know, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's completely nothing to do with politics. That's just about being anti religious. You know, Jesus was a Jew and things of that nature that your, you know, your, your band is. Uh, certainly, you know, the most blasphemous um, in every capacity, um, even in regard to perversity, which is one of Shelly's questions. If Shelly, if you want to ask that question today. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't really a direct question, but yeah, just the lyrics and uh, cover art and sleeve art to a lot of Profanatica's works is very sexually explicit. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, what you think the role of, like, sexual perversity and perversion is in in metal and particularly like the way that that you express it um in relation to sort of the anti-religious um sort of lyrical themes as well and how, how like sexual perversity what role sexual perversity plays in that uh for us it's a it plays a role it's it's not done really to shocking for shock value but like if that happens, then it's just kind of like a, a nice add on. It's more, I hate to say it. I've said this before. I don't really have like a one answer for it. It's just kind of part of who 
I am and who we were that grew into this. Like it seemed totally natural. There were other bands back in the day in the nineties that like, I want to say immortal started that kind of style way earlier. If you look at the old Osmos flyers and the ads, they were the only band that kind of like sounded like that. You know, uh, this is second wave shit, not like Bathory. But when we were kind of building the band that we wanted it to be something, if we were flipping through like seven inches, it'd be like, oh shit, look at this. That's what we want. There was never any talk about like walking in the woods with a torch or singing about the moon or anything like that. It just kind of naturally the way we grew up went to this kind of sexual perversion and blasphemy. Uh, you know, we were influenced by Gigi Allen. Not his, not so much his music, because like I'd, I'd have many conversations with him, and different things like rubbed off on me how he did whatever he wanted. He really didn't give a fuck. And when we were kind of planning our project, the Bloody Apostles, he, uh, I told him I wanted more of a heavy, deeper, uh, pounding type of shit with his vocals on it. And he he was down. So I, I want to say like he was an influence on us. Older punk with that like just energy we keep talking about. And uh, the perversion, of course, is like it's kind of anti-religious in itself. The anti-sex thing. And and like, you know, the church is like very anti-woman, too. It is. Yeah. I've been going to a Baptist university to finish my degree and I did take uh, old Testament and new Testament. I got a D in new Testament, not a dick just a <laughs> B, and uh, I got a B and uh, not a boob, but a, a B in a old Testament. Cause I, I, I like the old Testament better because that was back when God was wrathful and he kept, you know, killing people. And uh, you know, like, I'm just going to flood the world and, and he kept like smiting the Israelites over and over when they strayed from the path. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I actually got a B in old Testament, but for new Testament, I got a D. Um, but those preachers, oh, they had these, you know, whatever their PhD is in theology or whatnot. Um, they, they came in and they're Baptists, you know, women are not allowed to preach and uh, they're very uh, macho. I, I would say they have big libidos that they're trying to conceal. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they do kind of treat women as second class um, types of uh, people. Um, and it's just the experience that I've, you know, had taking these classes and having uh, uh, these people uh, teach me about the Bible. And, you know, in Baptist, um, the philosophy behind, you know, ba Baptist is, uh, not even just Protestants, just specifically Baptists, is that they believe that only a certain amount of people can be saved. So these guys are going to Latin America and all that, trying to convert people to their religion, but they, they're they just doing it to be glorified in heaven. They don't care if people get saved or not. What they're trying to do is just do their duties for God, and that is it. They don't care if... You know, because there's only so many people that are predetermined to be in heaven, according to them. And uh, 
they're just out doing God's work. And so they'll be like in a higher position in heaven. It's, it's like really, uh, it, well, at least a bad feeling in my mouth. Um, <laughs> like, uh, not the D that I got in New Testament, but, um, but it's just like this really wonky, like type of philosophy that they're abiding by. And that's how you can tell a hardcore believer is they believe in doing good deeds, not to help people, but because it will get them a spot in heaven. Like that's, that's when you know, someone's like really like hardcore Christian by that point. Right. And they can't, yeah, they got the blinders on. So I could fix that and probably your D by flying there and just telling them that they're stupid. (laughs) Like who came up with that number? Oh yeah. It's like 170,000 people, something like that, that are allowed into heaven to begin with. And you take in consideration the world's population, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and through history too, you know, everyone who has lived and died, that that's really a small amount of people who are allowed into heaven. <laughs> and then these guys are just going out, you know, doing their missionary work, preaching all over. But, you know, granted, I don't want to get kicked out of the school. Like, I don't think they know over this, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not a Christian. I've, I've informed, you know, my professors of that in the past and, and it was, I've been told, it's like, well, you're going to get, you know, burning in hell and all that. But I'm used to it living in the South. Like, I live in Texas. I was born in Florida. You know, I spent a lot of time in the South. I'm used to this kind of uh, conjecture from, you know, zealous of Christianity. So, um, yeah, I'm just there for the degree. And uh, that'll be it because I work full time. So the, the best school for me to go to at night is a, a Baptist university. But uh oh. I mean, the information's fascinating, and and you can't stop them. Like they're they're not going to listen to like logic. And I I don't know if that well, I'd be interested to know if that like low number of people that are allowed to go, if that number's ever changed anywhere. There's in time. Yeah, there's different interpretations of uh, what Baptists are, and there's different factions of them now. But there's like this main council. This is a good segue into another question I have, but like a main council of like Baptists and they kind of dictate where the, the church is going. Um, so I, I was kind of thinking like a good question for both you and Shelly, because I know you guys will have contrasting answers is like uh, if you could have like a metal council, like a, like a, just the, uh, the aristocrats of metal, um, like back in the 17th century, there were certain uh people who allowed court musicians to play and, you know, places of a high culture and all that. If you can do that for metals, like you have the figureheads that could approve and um, disprove uh, certain, you know, bands from performing, um, who would you have on that council? I know you would definitely choose yourself, Paul, but uh, who are some other people who you would have as a figurehead of metal that can tell you it's like okay this band is good they can play and this band is crap they they shouldn't play anywhere oh god i mean that's a tough one because that that question has come up like in in my house here by my family who thinks that i try to police everything (sighs) i don't know like who would be it'd be better if like people sent in like maybe private voting should this be ban be? I don't know. I, I'm very, as much as I like that idea and I find it 
interesting. I wouldn't want to like censor or stop anybody else's progress. Right. So even if I was the head guy and looked over all black and extreme metal, I probably would end up letting everybody do it and just complain about it. Uh, I see. Um, yeah. So I know that might sound like I'm wimping out, but like, I'm just being honest. I'd, I wouldn't want to stop anybody else's progress as much as I hated it. But like I've I've seen in interviews that you've done that you really look down upon like post black metal, which I, I hate it, and uh, Shelly does as well. But uh, um, so you would let those guys continue playing? Is that true? Uh, you mean if I if I was in charge? I forgot about those guys for a minute. Yeah, yeah. If you're in charge and you can select other people to be on the the board of directors, so to speak, of like. <laughs> what is allowed and what isn't allowed you would still allow that like uh do you have beheard on your council at least beheard yeah and pill yeah. yeah maybe all black. like the the people from second wave let's say like we'd have somebody representing the people of norway yeah someone from immortal right you yeah, probably yeah probably abbott <laughs> whatever <laughs> All right, so we, we got a few people. We got uh, Beharit, we got Pill Nazarene, we got Immortal on the council. Is that it? Is that it for your... Uh, how about Black Winds from Blasphemy? All right, that makes sense. Fucking cool. So, yeah, we're keeping everything in the early 90s and, uh, when uh, the council here of metal that we just established. How about you, Mr. Charles Shelley? Uh, what's your little council going to be? Uh, I hate to uh yeah disappoint i'm not going to wimp out the question but i'm literally going to say me because i'm the only person i trust to uh approve certain music um a lot of the artists that i respect and admire i don't necessarily respect and admire their actual music taste so i'm just going to say you know what fuck it i'm always right everyone else is always wrong listen to my opinions and you might learn something <laughs> You're a dictator yeah, no, no council here, just a dictatorship. What I said, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask that question just to kind of see what the answer would be. I know a lot of people probably want to hear what your answer would be on that. So, uh, very cool. Um, so Mr. Paul Lidney, something that's very unique about you, which I think there should be more of in metal, is that you speak your fucking mind. Um, just kind of go back in the history of uh, music. Um, classical composers bash the fuck out of each other. You look at Johannes Brahms and him talking crap about Wagner and Bruckner. It's like these guys had really big personalities and they trashed each other's music. Um, their, their persons were greater than life. Like not unlike wrestlers, like, you know, wrestlers would go up and shoot their promo talking crap about each other. And, uh, then there'll be a big feud and, you know, someone will eventually win and, um in terms of this you know it's time that tells like which composer wins or not rather than what's going on in the flavor and their uh cultural zeitgeist of what's going on at that point in time um so being that you speak your mind so much and i really think there should be more of it like do you think it's like uh people who are afraid of speaking their mind about what metal is and what metal should be or is it that just people don't have um anything to say um like it's just flooded with people that don't really have much to say about metal they just you know have this surface level opinion of it and they just want to leave it at that 
Uh, yeah, I would say that's, you know, here's the other thing. Like, if you ask me all these questions last year, some of the answers might be a little bit different. I, I would say to, for starters that I personally think that most of these people are just duds and they have nothing going on. While they're, let's say their band is great, they still are like no personality, low energy duds. That's what I feel. And part two of that is you have to be ca- more careful what you say now because everybody is getting canceled and like the threat is real. So people are finding out backtracking that are complaining these like quote-unquote Karens male or female online complaining about old interviews or you guys use this word or you use that word and uh you know trying to cancel the other the other thing is I hate to mention there's also some money involved if if somebody's going to play like a big fest and they're fronting a couple of thousand dollars for merch they get the merch. It's a lot of work. They're not going to make that money back till they go play the shows and move that shit, right? Like the shirts and whatnot and hoodies. So now they're canceled. They can't play and they're stuck with all this. They're out a lot of money. So if the bands are like treating it like a business and they want to move that product, a lot of them are like being careful what they say. Cause they imagine doing all this work at your job. And they're like, we can't give you a check. You're going to be like, what the fuck? But being in a band is like your own personal business. So you kind of have to treat it like that. And these guys don't want to ruffle any feathers because they laid out so much money. That's just like a small part of it. Never mind like studio costs and stuff too. Yeah. And that's something about this podcast I've really tried to advocate. It's just open dialogue. Um, just have a lot, a lot of people just have their free opinions with no backlash on this podcast at least and a welcoming environment and the listeners will choose uh, you know which voices they want to follow um, but I, I had a, a politics and metal episode and uh, that was very uh, a very enlightening uh, episode because we had David Burke on who has he's going for a PhD in metal blah 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 and that guy is uh, he's on the opposite side of the political spectrum than I am. But it was great to learn about why he is the way he is. Like, I learned that, uh, you know, and Shelly kind of shares the same sentiment of uh, um, it's really just about the exploitation of people that he's against. Like, whether it's, you know, uh, material means or other means. Um, so one of the great aspects about this podcast, is, like I'm a conservative um, or a classical liberal, I should say, to, you know, Shelly, um, but uh, which is basically a conservative today. And uh, Shelly is more of a progressive type. So I feel that we have an opening, you know, open environment for open dialogue here. And uh, it may not resonate with everyone just from being, you know, it's not going to be one sided about anything. I just like open dialogue. And I like to air some of the issues that are going on with metal in this cancel culture because cancel culture actually it disrupts more than just the bands. You're talking about venues are losing money, venues are shutting down, you know, if they don't have bands playing. Um, and it really just disrupts the flow of music, which there's not really much money to be made in music to begin with. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% for uh, open dialogue. You know, con- you know, we say there's free speech, but 
there could be consequences depending on you know how people interpret what you say and i try to navigate that the best way i can but i try to have a very uh, a good environment here on this podcast so uh people can uh feel welcome to express their own views and if i disagree with it i'll bring you know bring up aspects of why i disagree with it but uh anyway um so I just a uh, fun question for you, Paul Ledney. I'm sorry I went on yeah. a tangent. No, that's cool. But, um, so I read an interview, and I believe we talked about this before, that uh, out of all the Norwegian bands, you really love Immortal. And, uh, you know, the, the other bands, you, you talk some poop about them, about prancing around in the woods and, you know, doing drugs and all that. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on like morbid angel. What's the cutoff for morbid angel for you? Is it like Buster is sick, you know, alters of madness? Like what is legitimate morbid angel for you, Paul Lenny? Okay. Good question. And I have like a deep answer for you, but first saying that like those bands back then in Norway did drugs was just like me taking a shot at them. If that makes sense. I, I didn't know anybody from over there that did drugs or anything. I'm not trying to backtrack, but that was like a genuine, like try to piss somebody off, take a shot. Um, now drugs are like run rampant, of course, especially over here in the U S and most of the bands that are like quote unquote occult masters. I don't know if I said this before, they are on the hunt for cocaine constantly. So they're like self-proclaimed magicians that can't go 10 minutes without filling up a giant beer and looking for a blow. So uh, to answer your question about Morbid Angel, my cutoff, the Thy Kingdom Come demo. Holy shit. You're such a fucking elitist. Holy shit. I am. That's why my shit is so good, though. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing about this demo. Okay, there's there's several things happening all the time. And I and I try to look at like not just one application. I try to look at like between eight to twelve applications and ways of thinking with with each topic. And uh one of them is certainly when you were young and you first heard this band, how shocking it was because it was like super heavy. And uh so that does play a factor. And then when you go back and listen to it, you're just like, oh, their newer shit's actually heavier. But the Thy Kingdom Come demo, many people just like kind of glossed over that. Well, it's back and, when uh, they were in contact with Necrovore, right? I believe one of the guys yeah, Necrovore went on to Tampa. And uh, I don't know if he tried out or what. I don't know what actually happened with that. But I know Necrovore and Morbid Angel were in contact back then during the Thy Kingdom Come uh demo which don't you have like an album or someone that has a that same title but come is spelled differently correct (laughs) um so here here's my thoughts on that that to me is like real black death metal if you like look at the cover look at their logo read the lyrics to those like abominations and thy kingdom come they were doing some lyrics backwards that nobody else had done and uh I that's when I first met them and John from Necrovore, who was doing sound for them on that. They did like a mini run, and John Deplache was their sound guy. So like I met all those guys. 
uh, that demo, if you listen to like the way David sings on that, is very evil. I don't know how long ago you've listened to it. I, I remember it's, hearing it um, and thinking it was inferior to like Abominations, for instance. And I really like, I, I actually prefer Abominations, you know, over Altars and Madness. And me too. But I would never say Kingdom Come is better. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, it's different world, like different generations of metalheads, like right here. We're talking right now. Um, this guy only listens to the demo. I listen to the, the demo album. So that's <laughs> okay. I mean, I like Alters of Madness, but like if you like to be honest, I didn't like the cover art or anything. Like I like that abominations of desolation, that old imagery. That again, that influenced me, that imagery, because uh, they were just like rip those two demons were like ripping apart and raping that nun or corpse, whatever. You know what I'm referring to? Yeah, so I had it as a background of, on my computer back when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you re listen to that demo, you'll hear elements in there. It's a little cleaner and not maybe as heavy uh, as Abominations. Because I like Abominations might be one of my favorites. Um, but they, uh, if you go back and listen to the demo, you, you'll hear what I'm talking about, about the black death metal style. I mean, I think, I, I think I, you don't even have to listen to the music to look at the to understand the difference between by kingdom come and altars of madness and we're only talking a couple of years here but you've yeah. got on altars of madness you've got the the dan seagrave art you've got it's very like striking blue it's quite pristine um very kind of polished and then yeah the demo you've got yeah it's just it's just black and white as you say it looks like an early black metal demo and you you see that jump in a lot of death metal bands of that era when well, I, I don't know what's going on. I keep disconnecting, but uh, I'll parse together the episode. So go on. Um, what I'm thinking is uh, one of the, the al albums that I like better than the demo was Seven Churches. That kind of like wet, quote unquote, wet sound that I look for with a little bit of reverb or a lot of reverb on the vocals and, and like the guitars, like it's got some echo to it that was missing off the possessed demo and therefore that style on the demo at least kind of came off a lot weaker than seven churches yeah and that's that's actually a similar reason to why um hello waits is one of my favorite slayer albums because that has like the the echo and the theatrics of like seven churches or early early kind of black metal whereas that's missing on like rain and blood which is just much more straightforward down the barrel kind of punk fresh yeah um, which isn't it's not dark it's more aggressive but yeah yeah that's so true um jason you still there yes yes um sorry i got disconnected a couple of times we are recording but uh um shelly he's going to take the lead for a second here while i make sure that the the audio is captured from the first half of the interview um okay so sure that went through because i 
It did say it was saving, but I do not show it um, saved yet. So I'm going to investigate that real quick. So show okay. the lead. Uh, we're going to continue. Yeah, we are going to continue recording. Okay. Uh, cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was talking a little bit about the like the change in in cover art um, from the early demos to like the really colorful early like death metal stuff um for like your profanatica um cover albums uh do you have like did you have like a particular concept in mind for each album before coming to it or did you just like approach an artist and like play them some of the music and say go <laughs> no never we always kind of have uh everything planned out and and then some of the artists it was it didn't look as strong or it seemed more subdued even though they thought it was pretty crazy uh ben something or other i forgot his last name he did the uh the thy kingdom come cover which we love the cover the guy's amazing artist but i wanted it more kind of violent of what was going on um well yeah because that uh, one's very like it almost looks like a piece of classical art in a way it's very kind of Rich. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I I think he uses like egg temper to to paint, and that's cool. Okay, good, Jason. Uh, he's got the first half. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with all of them. They all kind of like serve a purpose, and it's kind of even though like what I'll do is I'll I'll actually sketch it out and uh, take a photo and send it to the artist and then email, email like a typed out detailed description about what I want. And uh, if the, if the guys are good, they'll say no problem. You know, cause I'll, I'll do several sketches of like uh, how big each figure should be in relation to somebody else kind of thing. Yeah, because they're all they're all very different. Like they all kind of match the album that they uh, uh, cover art for, but they are all like very different stylistically and like in the color scheme as well. Um, like the disgusting blasphemies against God. That's a very kind of dirty, heavy album, even by profanatic standards. And the al- the album cover is just very, very simple, very direct and sparse. And then by Kingdom Come. Again, that's like a, a much sharper tone and the riffs are much busier. And the album cover, again, like it's much busier and there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more to look at as well. Um, so it is interesting to see how they develop from album to album. Um, I, I'm happy with everything. When you put it all together and I've, people sometimes like take a picture of their all their shit that they've collected, I kind of like seeing that because it seems like uh, it, it all works together, you know. Like Archgoat too, they have like very kind of similar themes. Even though I think Moyen does their shit, and uh, it's always like a red logo with like a black and white kind of cover. We try to keep the same themes, of course, but uh, go a little bit different with artist to artist, so they get. Add something. I think the latest one that Paolo Girardi did is good. It's a little bit different than uh, our other stuff, but you could still tell it's us. 
Well, that one's different because it's actually got like a picture of the band on the cover, hasn't it? Not a photograph, but like yeah. a drawing. Which is a yeah. first thing. <laughs> we actually got to meet him in Italy. He came to one of the gigs and it was great to meet him in person. I, I get the feeling I was like too pushy and irritated to him. Uh, because I was like, there needs to be dead lambs. <laughs> and uh, I kind of kept forcing that issue. And I remember my wife going, do you even know that guy? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he actually s- said, he kind of turned us down uh, when I first asked, because he goes, I need a break. Like, I need a break from art. For my own personal growth and progress, I can't do it. And I'm like, you got it. You got to do one more. And I'm like, just put on The Shining and uh, watch that movie and start. I'm going to send you some sketches. So, yeah, I mean, he in hindsight, he's happy he did it now. But I remember I kind of had to push to get him because he really was like burnt out at that time that I contacted him. Right, yeah, it's 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 a good album cover as well. I almost treat it like a Christmas album because it's like almost like a nativity scene. <laughs> it is, it is, and actually, Adam, uh, the guitar player, came up with that concept, and uh, I said I like that. And and here here's another thing: the things that like influence me, they just naturally will come back out. Uh, if if like in my version of what they look or sound like, or feel like to me, if that makes sense. Like, I really love that horror movie, Hereditary. It's got to be one of the top I've ever seen. And uh, without even thinking, when I did the sketch for Paolo Girardi, I just, like, cut the heads clean off those little shepherds in the background. And now looking back, it could have been without me noticing, I was kind of influenced by that. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or you like it, but I have. Yes. Uh, that's the one about uh, the Swedish uh, pagan people. That's, that's the same guy that did it, but it's the one prior to that. Oh, that's the one about the demon thing that they, yeah. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. That was a good movie. It's very strong. If you watch it a couple times, the, the concepts in there are like fucking huge. Very cool. Um, speaking about demonic evil shit, um, are you a Satanist or not a Satanist? Because I've seen interviews which said that uh, you were a Satanist, but you're not a Satanist. And I really think it has something to do with the Church of Satan and your disdain for that. I saw some things you saw about said about uh, Anton LaVey, you know, prancing around in the little devil get up that he had. And about it being really silly. Um, and I, I, I kind of see like a lot of the same sentiments with the church Satan that you have. Like, um, it's really just, do you feel like Satanism should be more of an individualistic thing um, rather than like a group or a church or something like that? Yeah. Same. same. <sighs> this is also, let me see if I can word this like. I think a more thing should be like an individual thing, like what you believe in, if you're male or female, what your sexual preferences are. And I'm not saying that keep it to yourself, but I'm saying if that is you, each individual has their own soul, then 
that's you. It's not like them or we, you know what I'm saying? So this, this whole thing, good or evil is, is, is a business period. And the business is there to make money and survive. And if, and if some, some of the people working for that business or own it really believe in their own bullshit, then cool. They're allowed to. Well, but I happen to know better. So in the prior interviews that I've seen from you is that you don't believe in Satan as an actual entity, correct? It's more along no. the lines of, well, I know you don't like Levain Satanism because uh, it was a church and a big group and, you know, group thinking all that. And they kind of ripped off Nietzsche quite a bit with their philosophy. Um, they, they referenced Nietzsche quite a bit in the, the church of Satan, the, the Bible of it. And, uh, so I can, I can kind of see uh, how you can think it's not really authentic. And the church Satan, like, there was a lot of secular humanists in there to begin with. But now that there's the temple of Satan, I believe that's what it's called, um, which is like the biggest satanic group now, everything has like a very, very progressive uh, leaning in their advocation. Like they want to challenge the government about abortion and things of that nature. Um Whereas, you know, uh, my interpretation of what Satanism is, is very individualistic. Like you, like that's all you said in the prior interviews, like you are your own God. And if you're your own God, that means that being in a group that is diminished, that aspect of you being your own God is diminished. So I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts on Satanism. Um, what, what have you delved into Luciferianism at all? Like, perhaps like the temple is set um, things of that nature where they do advocate, you know, your own individuality. I mean, I like that school of thought, but like most things like, and, and again, I'm not like the police in this, these matters, but like a lot of people like miss the point. And, and I don't know, I don't know what they're getting out of promoting it. Maybe they're also duds and they have nothing going on with their life. So they have to kind of push for this and that's cool too. But I also like in, in the Satanism realm, the aesthetics of it are cool too, to look at, right? Like everybody sees like these old seventies, like satanic movies, like the devil's reign with Shatner. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one, but uh, you know, the robes are cool in there. Um like the artwork is is kind of badass yeah, i didn't really fuck. um yeah you, you know what i'm talking about that movie i i haven't seen the movie but i know the just sheer aesthetics of all these satanic groups it looks really cool it looks very much it, it, it is um, it, it is cool and it's like a lot of people that grew up listening to metal or or watching horror reading they're kind of like i always consider those people to be like well-read and uh, it, it doesn't have to go hand in hand. I'm kind of shocked when I meet people and they're like, oh, I'm not a movie guy. So, but, you know, there's, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked too deeply into it. I, I'm more, I don't know if I said this on this show, but I'm more from like James Randy's camp. Where is, uh, I don't really believe in anything supernatural on this planet. But you believe in the powers of the mind, right? Totally. 
Yeah, I saw that in an interview. Like, what would you say that is? Is it just sheer creativity and expressing your your inner being? Or is there something greater to that to the mind? I think there's something greater, too. Um, of course, you know, when somebody looks into something and researches something, they're just curious about it. But they might take a couple of weeks or a couple of months or even a couple of years and say, oh, I already looked into that that stuff's pretty cool or this is bullshit or I kind of like that. If that makes sense. I mean, I've looked into like neurolinguistic programming and how the brain works. Um, I don't see too many people using that to their advantage. And I, I, I myself have been like, instead of putting shit into practice, uh, have watched stuff for entertainment purposes just to research for my own like uh, cures for boredom. I might look into something every once because really everything takes work. Like the, the act of concentrating is like a whole thing in itself. So, so you've actually delved quite into neurochemistry then that's interesting. My, I did. My aunt, um, she was, a well, I mean, she's still alive, but she has Alzheimer's right now, but, uh, um, she was a PhD in, you know, college and she was a college professor and it was really cool. Like having some drinks with her because all of a sudden she'll start talking about neurochemistry and all that. And it's really interesting. Like when you actually have someone very educated talking about the brain, who knows about it and well with a common knowledge like the scientific common knowledge of it and is able to really expound upon a lot of nuances like well you act this way because of this you know in your cerebral cortex or something like that and uh it's just really kind of interesting um yeah i i think there is a lot of potential in the mind but i also think the mind is different than the brain um but that's more of a philosophical question than a empirical scientific one um but i get what you mean yeah uh, i it goes into mind body dualism and all of that so um i think that that topic's a little too dense for us to get in today but you like uh hp lovecraft correct i do but it, here's the thing with that okay and i like it i like that he created his own demons and the names and the symbols that went along with that it's like really creative and the guy actually put into some work into doing that shit it doesn't mean it's real though right i don't believe he thought it was real either no and i think that's that's the genius of it but that's going back to like the morbid angel shit where they kind of adopted that which nobody was doing at the time and it was totally original and dark and evil and uh it, that those kind of themes went along with their music perfectly well you know those guys were smoking a lot of weed back then back when they were teenagers and blast yeah for sure and wanting to you know summon the ancient gods so to speak so <laughs> yeah um very interesting i'm just kind of curious about that like do you have any favorite books from hp lovecraft my favorite is ex oblivion um where the guy he falls asleep but he takes like these drugs in his sleep 
and he eventually passes the gate into oblivion. Um, and I, it's a very short story. It's not one of his, you know, longer ones. But uh, that one spoke to me a lot. It's about like uh, I thought that was like a critique on consciousness, pretty much. Like it could be extinguished at any point. Uh, I, I I'm gonna check that out. I I'm more interested when I see the, like these people in their personal life rather than what they did. Like I'll read some ex, you know, I'll, I'll read some shit that they've done, and then I go immediately to how did they come up with that? What type of person was he like with Crowley's writings? I find it way more fascinating than reading the shit that he wrote of what type of guy he was. When did he come up with this? Did stuff just come to him and hit him? Well, for him to summon Corazon, I believe that's what the demon's name is. That required a gay act, correct? Where he had gay sex (laughs) to summon that demon. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. But real, realistically, wouldn't people be trying to recreate that? And then we'd have a real problem on our hands if that was real. That's supposedly like where, you know, Loch Ness Monster and all that is from is Crowley doing this magic. And some of it was, you know, being very blasphemous, having gay sex to uh, just, you know, shit on the Bible pretty much. Um, so, yeah. But I was just. I mean, it, it does say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leviticus, I'll, right? Yep. Um, so let's see here, going back to my notes. Um, so Paul Ledney, I had messed around with a drum machine a couple months ago, and I was kind of doing like some drum fills like you tend to do and just messing with that. And does uh, like the, the great aspect about Pro Fanatica is that, you know, the riffs are very primitive. It's very in your face, straightforward. But I think it's the percussion behind it. Um, not saying behind as in lesser, but just, you know, accompanying the riffs that really opens up more to the music. Like, uh, it's kind of like you're doing like these half fills here and there. And, um, it's just, and you're able to extend that and do slower beats and then, you know, faster beats and all that. And it really brings out more nuance to the music that all comes naturally to you. Correct. Yeah. I thought so. That's really cool. Like, just a you're just a great drummer also a vocal oh, thanks. Too, on top of it but yeah i was trying to mimic well, that with a drum machine i was gonna say like it's definitely there on the profanatica music like it definitely is a real like almost treating it like a lead instrument like a lot of the uh, songs have drum intros and you can instantly tell that style but i was going to mention have a hedge at this point because um both the um albums uh, the the more recent albums, I mean, um, they're kind of like noise albums, but they have real drumming in them, and it's almost like more of a way for you to explore, like the drum style. Is that correct? Uh yeah, and and the because I on the previous ones I was using a drum machine and just kind of like piecing the stuff together how I wanted it. But this is more like the last two, I would say, Kambantan on Premaster. And the latest one is more like uh, with the drumming, it was more structured, I feel, and less chaotic. It was still kind of chaotic, but it was more like on purpose and had like a little bit of a direction to it. And I don't know if last time, I don't know how much we talked about Have a Hedge, but I know... 
that uh, this time I really paid closer attention to how the songs ran into each other. Definitely this track's going to be the opener because it has this, this, and this, and it would kind of tell a little bit of a story. Um, but uh, I guess my style is my style. And that's it. I mean, my chops get better if I continue to go to the studio and practice. I try to hit the pad a couple of times a week because a lot of these young kids are like really great. Uh, like I'm definitely not even when we play like a gig and there's like a young opener, 95% of the time that opener is way better than me on drums. But they all kind so of the, play the same, right? Like same shit. They play They're the same types of blast, like gravity yep. blast and all that. Yep. Same shit. Very tappy. They don't hit hard. They don't put like their feeling into it. Uh, I'll tell you who's got to be the one of the best, absolute best going now is Arthur from Sadistic Intent. Uh, we played with them a couple the times. Basis, like the bassist, I think is Dave Slave or something like that from Sadistic Intent. Um, he's uh, one of the best bassists out there. <laughs> like I've seen there's for him. Yeah, if, I forget what's the fest. I don't think it was Hellfest. Uh, what's that big fest in uh, Czech? I mean, this execution. The Czech Republic. What's is that it called? Brutal Assault. Yes. If you if you type in sadistic intent, brutal assault, because they always have like top quality sound in their videos too you, you'll see what i mean about arthur that like he's burning through the fills um and not just he's doing it because it adds to 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 the music he's not like trying to show off he's doing like what the music requires if that makes sense so well, yeah like a lot of like jason said like a lot of drummers these days are technically amazing but they all they all sound like mike smith at the moment like they're all the same and even if you have a drummer with like a basic style if you can tell that style straight away then that's really important because otherwise you, like what's the point you mean mike smith the old suffocation yeah 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 of course um there's also these guys that kind of started to uh not invent the shit but kind of do it first and uh, I don't know. I, I would say, like, if you could recognize somebody's playing, then that's that's cool. That's kind of their style. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that's that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like Shelly said, like the drums are almost in the front of the music. You know, the riffs are great. Um, I was listening to Pro Fanatica before this episode and um, the last album and by chance broken jew i was listening to that and uh that last riff is just amazing and it fades out into like a little drum beat and i just mm -hmm. thought it was phenomenal it's like you know it starts all very necrovore but then it goes into like a you know very death metal-y i know black metal type of um slow doomish riff it was just really great i really loved it cool thanks man yeah so being used to be an incantation what do you think about the blood the band blood incantation like old school death metal that that fad that's going on now about newer bands trying to mimic the early days do you have any thoughts on that uh i wouldn't i've checked it out 
And and didn't they do like a, a like a what's it called? It's like a no drums. It's like a soundscape type of thing. Yeah, the, the latest EP was like an ambient, um, a couple of ambient tracks. It's like aquarium ambient. If my if I give my honest opinion, it's quite bad. But if you're an aquarium looking at fish, it might suit that. But uh, that's my opinion about that album. But so it, I like that they did it though. If that makes sense, I, I I actually do like that they did it as well because I thought their death metal was very lacking. Um, and structure and all that like you know when you listen to pro fanatica um each riff has its place in the song that's the reason why the songs exist it's the riffs and you listen to blood incantation it's just freaking riff salad um that's my honest opinion of that but uh yeah listening to the ambient music that actually like it seemed like you know a lot of it's like background textures to so like a movie or an aquarium but you know there's actually purpose to that and they actually go somewhere rather than just being like a, a salad, you know, toss salad, just fucking create, you know, random elements all over the place. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that is their actual like strongest output. Um, but what about OSDM as a whole, like old school death metal um, that that scene that's happening now, with, like the Dark Descent record label with all these newer bands trying to create like the old death metal sound. Do you have any like opinion on that? Uh, you don't have to come from old death metal um, to like, you, you didn't have to be around back then to create that now, but you do have to have that same as the people that did it, the same, be in the same headspace. And most of the headspace back then was just like, we don't give a fuck. This is what we want to play. And nowadays you get these kids with the headspace of let's make it sound like this with, and, and it's not going to have that same feel attached to it. Cause it's like a copy. If that makes sense. Like when somebody says U S black metal, they're, they're, they're not necessarily talking about us and Absu. They're talking about like Judas Iscariot and things that are copying the European sound. So the, the, if somebody says U.S. black metal sucks, it does suck what people think of it as. Like 90% of Daniel's book was these bands that were copying the European sound. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and they're, they're not in the same uh, headspace that those bands were in the 90s. You can get into that if you come from the same type of stock that they came from. And, and I don't think location has anything to do with it. I think I it's like a certain style and how you grew up and like these death metal people, because think about it, like one of the greatest old school bands with that band Abhorrence from Finland, the riffs were so evil and haunting, but they were also heavy. I, I don't know if we, did we talk about them? I don't believe so. No. So that when me and John McAtee heard that, we were like, this is the fucking deal. Hmm. We didn't try to copy that. We kind of said to ourselves, uh, hey, they're doing evil riffs. That's exactly what we want to do. But there, there's a certain amount of like, uh, uh, I can't, 
I seem to like, I can't remember the word, but like we like not validating, but we already had that thought. What's that word? Like we already had that. And that kind of confirms it. That we should do this. Huh? Intuition. Yeah. We kind of already knew what, what direction we were kind of going to. Hmm. And this like, Oh, solidified. That's it. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I, I know there's a great overlap with incantation with your music. And, you know, I was listening to the Curl Flame of Blasphemy uh, also earlier today. And that song, The Host Over Cup, it's just like screams incantation to me. But, you know, more primitive and more evil. Um, and, you know, you know, incantation is greatly evil. But I, I think you topped the cake for the evilness, um, at least the most blasphemous. Um, so you do have a great element, like an appreciation of your prior band that you were in, uh, Incantation, and you bring that out in Profanatica still, correct? Yeah, for sure. And I think like that's a that's a uh, perfect example of we both come from the same source. We both kind of grew up listening to the same type of shit, and then we wanted something more. You know, when Motorhead's not enough, you go to Venom and so on. You just, we just kind of wanted something heavy. But the also, I think we were kind of born at the right time, too. You were. I mean, it, yeah. it, it would really suck if we had to kind of backtrack now. Like when somebody's like, let's play older style death metal, but they don't have that feel, they didn't go through the same type of shit that those bands went through because it's they could they can't it's like a different time now you could try to copy it um but there are younger bands that like are had a certain type of struggle that might an older band might have went through the same kind of shit and had that right uh, Um, come out in their music like uh, some bands that might be from other countries, correct? Or yeah, I, I really don't think the location is. I mean, of course, you get influence. Like U.S. style is more obnoxious than Euro style. It's got heavier bass and a little more balls, and more of like I don't uh, give a fuck attitude. <laughs> yeah, but, so, yeah, I see what you're saying about like uh, younger people today who didn't grow up with that but they kind of have to live in its shadow still because it's still so popular and so like the recognized style so as the moment you set up a band you you will just automatically start playing imitating that style anyway and there's so much of it now as well um so it's almost like much harder to kind of almost strike out a new and sort of create your own music that like uh speaks of your own personality or your own experiences yeah, way harder. It'd be way harder for today. Like if we had just started, it, so, who knows what it would be like. So Paul Ledney, um, back in the late 80s, um, there was the Cold War still, and it came to an end. Um, with Ukraine in the news a lot lately, does it kind of bring back some Cold War vibes? Like, do you think there might be a, you know, an actual like crisis in the world where... You know, I, I kind of attribute some of the reason why death metal exists is because the time frame in which it sprang from, which was the West was in an existential crisis. And, uh, 
people didn't know if there would be nuclear annihilation or not. Um, do you think the what's happening in Ukraine now, which, you know, I've been there quite a bit myself, um, and I have a lot of friends there, and I hope the best for them, and I'll help them every way I can. Um, do you think uh, it might spring, like, kind of the old school mentality back in the, the vogue, for instance, like, uh, you know, having the threat of Putin, you know, fire off nukes and uh, hypersonic missiles and all that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that that actually wasn't funny. I'm sorry. The, the reason I'm laughing is because I'm not supposed to laugh. I don't know. It could be. What I do know, because I don't think anything, I either know or I don't know, is we, we actually don't know the true story of why he's over there or what he's doing. Think about where we're getting our information from, from the media. So oh, yeah, 100%. It, 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 it could. So I can't comment on that. All I know is like, it's not what it looks like. The guy could be 10 times worse than what they're saying, or he could be amazing. We'll, we'll probably really never know. I, I, I think it's on the way that you look at Putin. Like uh, I, I've kept up with Putin and, you know, like Kiev is like the, uh, where Russia sprang from, like yeah, a, yep, a very ancient city uh, back in medieval times. It was the most you know civilized, you know, developed city with a lot of influence over the Western world. And that was like you know ten thousand years or a thousand years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where Eastern Orthodox comes from, is Kiev, and Russia's with you know with they've kept that same stern mentality with the eastern orthodox church but you know kiev is the egg and russia is the chicken so i i see it more as like a like the it, it may be like a a geopolitical thing that he's you know invading ukraine now but at his heart i think it's more of a spiritual thing granted he's more like a mafia character like a mafia boss um, and all that so it could, it could just be eastern orthodox on paper but if you look at the roots of russia it's kiev and uh the ukrainians like i don't think they'll they'll give up to russia so uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see the way that it plays out and uh hopefully it doesn't result in nuclear war but it could um so yeah fucking cool um i mean here's the other thing like uh it's kind of hard to make a decision based on like what we're hearing. Like it's in the papers, like the next day, like they had it fucking ready to go. How bad Putin is. And I'm not sticking up for him. Maybe he's a piece of shit. I don't know the guy. I do know that like over in that section of the world, they definitely got the black metal portion of it wrong. <laughs> you know, like I listened to, some of the bands on Steel Fest, and I'm not going to mention any name, but you're, you're as soon as I heard it, mortem. I know you're talking. I'm like, dude, you got to be fucking kidding me. And, it, you know, here's the thing like, some people don't like, some people don't like listening to country music. So you might say to somebody, How was work today? And they're like, Oh, somebody was blaring country music. It sucked. Or, you know, was the party good? They were like, no, they were blasting hip hop. I happen to hate hip hop, that kind of thing. So I just don't like it. Like normal people wouldn't like that horse shit, if that makes sense. 
I do like the Hate Force quite a bit, and they are Ukrainian. But uh, actually, their latest album, The Hour of the Centaur, which is not even an hour, it's like 45 minutes. But The Hour of the Centaur really reminds me of Immortal a lot. I think you should check that out. I think you'll like it. Um, All my bandmates love that Hate Forest. They're like, check it out. I'm not against it. I just haven't gotten around to checking it out. And if it's good, I'll say it's good. I think you'll like it. It's very immortal. It's better than the last like four albums from Immortal. I have no idea. But uh, Charles Shelley here read a review about it, and he was like, "Yep, Hey Forest been pumping." So uh, very cool stuff. Um, let's see here, Shelley. Do you have any last questions today for Mister Paul Letty? Uh, I don't actually know. Other than um, it's been a pleasure to uh, catch up with you again and uh, delve a bit deeper into like Provenatica and Have a Hedge and like the old days it's been a great chat cool thanks man i i hope today wasn't boring or anything i just i tried to like answer your guys's stuff the best i could no not not no it's been really interesting no not boring whatsoever and uh definitely sheds a lot of insight into uh paul lenny as a man and i i think there should be more people who are very outspoken like able to talk about what's going on in metal in the world and their views on it without caring about, you know, offending people. Um, so uh, I definitely think Paul is one of the better people in metal. And I think he should, like, if I were to have my own council of the figureheads of metal who decide things of what is accepted and what isn't, Paul would actually be on my panel. A little fucking. Cool. Thanks, man. Yep. yep. You'd be on my panel. Um, so, how come more bands don't sound like Provenatica or Necrovore? I don't know. Do you want to do want to be the, host for the next episode? <laughs> we keep rehashing the same shit, but at least it's good that like I'm not changing my story. No, you're very consistent. That's great about you because we know it's okay. Honest. Cool. We know it's honest. Yeah, I'm trying to be about you. Yeah, it's um, kind of funny when uh, my kids ask me something. I'm like, listen, back in 1990, and they're like, oh my god. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm just telling you how it was. Everybody had their own style. Well, that's yeah. it. Like, Definitica doesn't sound like anything. It just sounds like itself. Well, it sounds that's like good. I'll take that as a bit. compliment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's meant to be. Yeah, there's a lot of Necrovore in Profanatica, but yeah, I think you've turned Profanatica into its own thing, um, its own entity beyond Necrovore, so... Thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah, I've been listening to the Pro Fanatica, enjoying it quite a bit. And uh, I, granted, I've been listening to this for the past 20 years almost, um, Mr. Ledney. So uh, um, it's great to have you back and inviting yourself back. You're always welcome. So if there's, Thanks. if there's another major event that happens and you just feel like chatting with Shelly and I, just let me know and you can invite yourself back and we'll do part four. All right, sounds good. So really quick, you guys listen to the Thy Kingdom Come demo and use headphones and you'll see these elements I'm talking about. All right. I will, yeah, I will. I'll do it. All right, good talking to you guys. Awesome, thank you. All right, see everybody soon. Bye. Bye.